Well, good morning, church family. It's wonderful to be here with you on this Christmas Eve morning, and welcome to those who are joining us online. We're so glad that you have done so. It's a joy to be with you this morning, and I want to say a special hello to some of our kids. Our kids are usually in their own worship uh, experience on Sunday mornings, but they're with us today, and that is fun. We're glad that you're here. As John said, we are in this Advent series, and I get to finish up with the Prince of Peace. Our text this morning, we're starting with the birth of Jesus, the story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, and my friend Louisa is going to read that for us. Louisa? Birds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. Thank you, Louisa. May God bless the reading of his word. Sure, yeah. She did great. Did you hear the angel's song? Did you hear it? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to God's people. Peace to God's beloved. The one that Isaiah called the Prince of Peace has come. And they didn't realize it as they were gazing at that babe sleeping on the hay, but this was the watershed moment in human history. The Prince of Peace has come. The Savior, the Messiah. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message for John chapter 1. He says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. Our Emmanuel, God with us. I imagine that as he was asleep on the hay, he didn't look much like a prince at the time. And you can be sure that the world that he was birthed into was anything but peaceful. And you may be feeling that about our own world today. The 24-7 news cycle gives us plenty of evidence for lack of peace, right? But even more personally, you may have come this morning with a deep longing for peace in your own soul and in your own life. But let's talk about peace. What is peace? The Greek word that was in our Luke passage is Irene. That's a reason some parents call their daughters Irene or Irena. The Hebrew word that Isaiah used to call Jesus the Prince of Peace is shalom. You're probably much more familiar with that word, 
shalom, but they are both the same concept. They both mean the same thing. They mean complete well-being or wholeness. And in fact, a complete well-being or wholeness that only God can give. That is what is meant by shalom or irene. In other words, it's not just the absence of conflict, but it has a much deeper positive meaning toward wholeness or well-being. I love what my friend Carolyn posted in her Caring Bridge post this week, talking about her journey, and she said, you know, I found that peace is not so much the absence of something, but it is the presence of someone. That's the kind of peace that we are talking about. So, how is Jesus our Prince of Peace? We're going to talk about three different ideas that help us grasp this idea of how Jesus, our Messiah, Emmanuel, come to be with us, how he is our Prince of Peace. So first of all, we have to start here, is that Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace. And we're going to be reading some scripture together. Every time you see the word peace appear on the screen, I'd love for you to read it with me. Yeah, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through Jesus And then Isaiah, later on in his writing, in uh, his prophecy, Isaiah 53, he says, But he, meaning the Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. Yes, good. Brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And that's the deepest sense of that word, healed. Healed in every way, but especially spiritually. Peace with God. Through Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, we don't deserve it, we can't earn it, but God has given it through our Prince of Peace. And this relationship, This idea of having peace with God is the foundation for everything else that we're going to talk about this morning. We can't have any other aspects of peace without this foundational relationship with God. Peace with God through Jesus. Perhaps there are some of you here today who would definitely not describe yourselves as at peace with God. Perhaps you feel that you're not good enough for God to love you or to accept you. Or perhaps you struggle in a different way. You are disappointed in God, confused, skeptical, maybe even angry. I invite you 
to come to the Prince of Peace. Jesus, our Emmanuel, who's meant to come and to show us what God is really like and who God really is, I invite you, even this morning, to take a step of saying yes to his love. Jesus is the way to peace with God. And second, our Prince of Peace, Jesus gives us peace with ourselves and in our circumstances. Now this is typically, as followers of Jesus, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? This is where we are constantly growing and striving and learning how to allow Jesus to be our Prince of Peace in the midst of everything that is going on in our lives. Sometimes I, I do it well and sometimes I don't. It's a way of learning and growing into what Jesus has for us. But the Prince of Peace himself says in John 14, let's look at this one. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is Jesus' words to his own disciples. The context here in John 14 is that it's just hours before Jesus is going to be arrested. Jesus knows that life for his disciples is going to get very hard very soon. And yet he brings words of encouragement and truth to them that he wants them to remember in the midst of it. And that's that his peace, access to complete well-being, in the midst of it all, is accessible always in him. It's interesting, Jesus says, I do not give you as the world gives. What do you think that means? How does the world try to promise us peace or say what will give us peace? Think about it for a minute. Through power, through status, if I can just make this accomplishment, I'll have peace. Through a hefty bank account and lots of stuff, that's when I'll have peace. The victory of a certain political party over another one, that's when I'll have peace. The freedom to give in to any desire that I want, that's when I'll have peace. But we know that's not the answer to real well-being and complete wholeness. You're familiar with the passage in Philippians 4 that Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I wonder if I could get a show of hands of those who've been walking with the Lord long enough that you have experienced this kind of peace, the peace that transcends all understanding. Yes, I thought so. I thought that I would see a lot of hands. It didn't make sense, right? Given the circumstances that you might have been experiencing, it just didn't make any sense 
but it was supernatural. It was a peace that transcends all understanding. Kind of like that hymn writer who was able to say, it is well with my soul. No matter what. I want you to take a look at a piece of art. This sketch hangs in a frame in my home. It was drawn by a woman by the name of Catherine Brown, and I have permission to share it with you this morning. It's one of my favorites. I'd like for you to take a look at it for a minute. And I'd especially like for you to pay attention to that lamb's face. What do you think that Catherine was trying to communicate as she drew that lamb's face? What words come to mind? Perhaps comfort? Safety? Contentment? I see peace. Serenity on that lamb's face. And you know what? Sometimes I walk into the room where this sketch hangs and I stare into that drawing and I think, I want to be that lamb. I want to have that kind of trust in my gentle shepherd. I want to have the kind of trust that is at ease knowing that he is carrying me and that he has it all under control. Perhaps there are some of you this morning that have some hard stuff going on in your life. Or perhaps things are fine on the outside, but inside, chaos. No peace. Come to Jesus. Come to the Prince of Peace. Come to him through scripture. Just keep on reading in the book of Luke where we started this morning. Or come to him through honest prayer, just like Paul was telling us to do. Honest prayer. Or come and talk with one of our pastors and they will help you. But turn to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, for whatever is going on in your life. I want to say to you, take the step of trusting in Jesus to carry it all and to carry you. And finally, Jesus gives us peace with each other and calls us to be peacemakers. I had two goals for this message this morning. I wanted you to experience comfort from what scripture says about Jesus as our Prince of Peace, and I also wanted us to experience some challenge. And perhaps on this point, this is where we will experience our challenge. Right? Peace with one another. It's hard. It's messy. But what does Jesus do? What is the difference that Jesus should make for the church, for the followers of Jesus, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 first. 
Paul writes, for he, meaning Jesus, he himself is our peace, who made the two groups that he's talking about in this context, the Jews and the Gentiles, couldn't have been further apart in culture and values and ideas. He made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Yes, thank you. Peace. Thus making peace. Did you see that phrase, one new humanity? Almost kind of sounds like crazy talk, doesn't it? And yet this is what Jesus came to bring really and truly. Not just after he comes back the second time. This is what Jesus came to bring. This is what the angels were announcing in that song. That the Prince of Peace was bringing it to his people in the here and now. This is what the church is supposed to be. Working toward this idea. Now, heaven knows that there are colossal failures on the church's record in this regard. But there are also millions of examples of the church, large and small, seeking to be faithful to Jesus and to be faithful to each other in the midst of all kinds of differences. It's just that this doesn't make the news very often. But it's real, and it's true. This is what we're striving into at 1501 East Beltline, to be what Jesus has called us to be in this respect. Real community. It's messy. It's a work in progress. But it is possible through the life of Jesus in our life. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something else about peace. In Matthew 5, 9, remember this beatitude? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's the word peace. For they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you remember the nine fruit of the Spirit? I bet our kids remember the nine fruit of the Spirit. I'm a professor, so I like to give pop quizzes. Can you name the first three fruit of the Spirit? I'll start you off. The first one's love, joy. There you go. Peace. I think that fruit of the Spirit, peace, sometimes just doesn't get as much airplay or as much time. How do we be the folks who are bearers of the fruit of peace? And this is my final invitation to us this morning. How might I do that? How do you and I do that? How do we bear the fruit of peace? And there are so many of you that I know, and you do this beautifully. You do this well. But maybe we should ask uh, one question first about ourselves. How is it that I don't really bring peace sometimes? I know we don't like to think about it. But are there ever times when, when I walk into the room, somebody might feel like they kind of need to put up a defense? Is there ever a time when 
people maybe feel like they kind of need to walk on eggshells because I'm a little too easily offended. That doesn't bring peace. Does your or my sense of entitlement sometimes somehow give us permission to make people feel anxious or less than or not enough? I have to tell you that the Spirit has been working on me as I was preparing this sermon. You know, that's what happens when you get ready to teach Bible study, right? Many of you know this. When you get ready to teach something from Scripture, the Spirit goes to work on you. And if nothing else happens, maybe he's made some progress with you. But the Spirit has been convicting me of the fact that sometimes, even subtly, even in nuanced ways, I do not bring peace the way I could bring peace. It can be my words. It could be as simple as my body language. Even just a look. But I am praying that God would do transforming work in me to show me all the ways that I could grow into a person who bears the fruit of peace. On the positive side, We could ask the Holy Spirit, say, Spirit, show me, teach me, give me opportunity, tap tap me on the shoulder and show me where I could bring peace, where I could be a person of peace. You know, it's easy, I think, for us to feel like, man, the world is not at peace, there is such lack of peace, there are wars all over, Uh, our country is in a mess, and we can begin to feel like we are powerless, right? Anybody feel powerless? I do sometimes, but actually what Scripture tells us and invites us to is the fact that we do all have power. We all have agency. How will you bring peace in your family gatherings this week? Uh Uh-oh, now I'm meddling. (laughs) Deidre, you haven't met my brother-in-law. How do we bring peace? How do we bring peace through the way that we serve? How might we bring peace through encouragement and blessing? How might we bring peace really just by looking into a stranger's eyes with a smile and with acceptance and with kindness? This reminds me of a very famous prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. Have you heard of him? Now, he's not a Baptist. But he loved Jesus. And this, this is the first line of that famous prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Could that be our prayer this morning? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Peace. It's one of the deepest longings of the human heart. Remember the good news that the angel announced. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to God's people. Peace with God, peace within ourselves, and peace with each other. Oh, come, 
This morning, let us adore him, our Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? Prince of Peace, help us to receive your peace. And help us to give it away. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.